You're listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hull United Methodist Church. Be sure to visit us at hopehullumc.org sermons, where you can subscribe to future episodes of SermonCast and browse our archive of past messages. Thanks for tuning in. So today, I want to share something with you all. Actually, something that I have never said before. Never said it out loud, and it's something I have thought for years and years and years. I consider it actually to be probably one of the biggest failures of my life. I haven't even spoken about this to my wife. See, growing up, uh, my family, every year we had a family reunion. And it was so much fun. It was in Greenville, South Carolina. Every year we would go to Uncle Joey's farm. And uh, from being a city guy, um, now I'm kind of more of a country guy now, a little bit, right? I'm trying. And, um, but the thing is, is uh, it was wonderful traveling up here, going to uh, Uncle Joey's farm. You know, we, of course, everybody, if you come up here, you stop by where? Priesters Pecans, right? And get your stuff. And, and so um, it was always a wonderful, wonderful time being with my grandparents and my great aunt and uncles. Uh, I mean, Uncle Briggs was probably the funniest man you ever met in your life. And uh, just a grand time fishing and seeing family. And it was always wonderful. And uh, all except for one thing that we did each year. Uh, we would remember those who passed away by lighting a candle at each service, or each uh, family reunion. <clears throat> and so, um, they always got, I guess, the youngest of the family to do it, which I thought was kind of weird, but, you know, what am I to say to my parents? And uh, so, um, you know, we uh, lost some siblings growing up. And so, it ended up being where... I had to go up there, and one year I had to light three candles for family members. I didn't really like it that much. It was weird. It was odd. And, um, and things were changing then anyways. Um, as a matter of fact, Uncle Joey had passed away. Uh, we were having it at the old YMCA there in Greenville, if y'all know what I'm talking about. It's now like a community center. And, uh, and it was just always just a wonderful, wonderful time being with family. But then it changed. Everybody was gone. And I didn't want to go anymore. You know, why? Go see a table full of candles? So I chose to do nothing. And the sad part about that is, is I kept choosing to do nothing not remembering them, certainly not honoring them at that point in my life. And the part that I have a challenge with, we don't have family reunions anymore. So I don't have that opportunity now to even do it. So it always just hit me. Doing nothing to remember these people. My mother, my father, my brothers, my sister, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, everybody. Never have the opportunity. So I consider that to be one of my biggest failures. Because one thing I've learned, and what we're talking about today, 
when we go through Scripture. Okay? And the bottom line is this. We honor the past, okay, by embracing the future. That's our bottom line that we need to remember and put close to our hearts. We honor the past by embracing the future. And that's what we're talking about. So read with me. Because the book of Hebrews here was written for a group of Jewish Christians that were actually thinking about returning to their original faith. Give you a little context here. And the author of this, if you noticed, went through great lengths to convince them to stay. And convince them to stay with their new faith. The kingdom of God, about Jesus. So point by point by point, he grows through, goes through this whole series of arguments. From creation, through Moses, through Abraham, everyone. Foreshadowing Jesus. Everything promised in the Old Testament of Judaism was fulfilled in Christ. The new way is the superior way, is what the author is saying. As Jesus and the faith in his kingdom established supersedes everything that has gone before. Faith in action, that's what we're talking about. We honor the past by embracing the future. In chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This verse is not a definition of faith, but it's a description of what faith does. Faith treats things hoped for as a reality. Faith itself proves that what is unseen is real. Such is our reward for the return with Jesus. So this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So what is seen was not made out of what was visible. In faith, in action. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteousness when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. So evidently, Cain offered a sacrifice without faith. And Abel still speaks to us because his righteous deeds have been recorded in Scripture. And we know this. Faith again in action. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And listen. Verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, 
that he rewards those who honest, earnestly seek him. I've noticed the word comes is used a lot, especially in Hebrews. And it really refers to the privilege of the drawing near to God. He explains that faith is mandatory for us to even approach him. We have to have faith. By faith, again, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, and holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir to the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Again, faith in action. Has to be action. By Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. We know the story about Abraham. We know that was a huge leap of faith, to leave everything that you knew, to go to the promised land, looking where God sent you. They did not know where he was going. With his faith, God considered him righteous. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. Catching on to a theme here? Faith and action. Then it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. I never really noticed that before. They could have went back. That's not what God wanted. They had faith. And so that led to what? Say it. Action. There you go. There you go. Therefore, one thing I've learned, by the way, in ministry, is any time in the Bible God says, therefore, you should pay attention. So therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
faith. So again, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. See, Abraham believed that God could raise him from the dead if necessary. I really think that's kind of figurative too for what God has done for us. Isaac was as good as dead. But God provided a ram to sacrifice in his place. Just like Jesus for us. So by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Again, action. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because he saw he was no ordinary child. They saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Again, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Eden because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, again, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Faith. Action. Verse 29, by faith again. Again, y'all starting to see a theme? The people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, again, the walls of Jericho fell. After the army had marched around them for seven days. And by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies was not killed with those who were disobedient. And then he goes on to say, What more shall I say? Should I go on? I mean, I didn't have time to tell about Gideon 
Samson, Jephthah, about, about David and Samuel and all the prophets. All these people who through faith, just faith, they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions. Talking about Daniel and the prophecies. Quench the fury of the flames and escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, Scripture tells us. Raised to life again. But there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. Faith's not easy, is it? Sometimes. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These, Scripture tells us, were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together, with us, would they be made perfect. This phrase, made perfect, it means made complete. We're made complete. This completion is the realization that all of God's promises in Christ's coming kingdom awaits all of us believers. That perfect completion. And here's the big word again, folks. Therefore, remember, always look for that word in the scripture. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This cloud of witnesses, this refers to all the people of faith mentioned in this earlier chapter. They're not actually like spectators watching us, you know. They are uh, witnesses testifying about the truth and faith. So we're surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with the perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's our action part. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The perfecter. Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, 
the one who completes it. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This faith that all of the scripture talks about leads to action. Not doing nothing. Okay? Keeping our eyes on Jesus. See, for what's for the exact same thing written in Hebrews about a couple thousand years ago almost, applying to the early Christians, it's a beautiful thing about Scripture, it applies right back to us. Does it not? We have to have faith. There has to be action, though, because this action has to be keeping our eyes on Jesus, on the cross. The past is important. It is. We can't dwell on it. We have to move our eyes forward to the cross, move our eyes and our action and our feet to Jesus. And it's hard sometimes. It truly is. I mean, think about it. What do we do with this claim to keep our eyes on the cross, on Jesus, to keep running the race with perseverance? Don't grow weary. I told you, that's one of my biggest faults in my life is I grew weary. I did nothing. And I'll always live with that. But how do we do this? How do we, how do we honor the past? We honor the past by embracing the future of Jesus and what's to come. This means we can't go back. I mean, as we all like the movie, uh, what is it, uh, Back to the Future? Yeah, it was great. You know, as a matter of fact, I think that actually date went down sometime this year. Happy 2020, everybody. Um, but we can't go back. I can't go back. I can't change anything. I'm sure all of you have something similar that you regret. But you wish we could go back can't. Scripture tells us we must keep our eyes on Jesus. And again I ask, what does that look like? I mean, are we fighting against sin in our lives? Because the devil knows his way around, by the way. Are we actively? Action? Are we fighting it? Do we idolize the past? I know I sure did. I still struggle with it. You know, it reminds me of a, a story that a good dear friend of mine, Randy, used to tell. Um, 
As a matter of fact, uh, I'll share it with you real quick. Um, his wife, Robin, uh, whenever Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving's coming up, it's a good Thanksgiving story. They, um, his, his Robin, when she cooked a ham, okay, she would always cut it in half and put it in the oven. And Randy had never seen such a thing before. And he was like, I don't get it. And she was like, well, that's the way my mother did it. That's the way I, she taught me how to do it. That's the way I'm going to do this. Randy just goes along with it. One time, um, Robin's mother came into town to South Carolina, um, where we used to live, and uh, was helping with Thanksgiving dinner. And Randy told me the story. He's like, they started cooking a ham, and I had to ask. And he asked her, he's like, why, why, why do you cut the ham in half? I don't get it. My mother never did that, you know. I mean, what's, what, what's the deal now, you know. And I'm sitting there going, wow, you question your mother-in-law? But um, she goes, oh, well, no, the only reason we did that is because we had a small oven, and we had to cut it in half so it would fit in. You see what I'm saying? You know, it's, um, we have to remember the past, you know, but we have bigger ovens now. Um, it's a little poor analogy, but it was a funny story. It's, um, but are we, are we idolizing the past? You know, I mean, this is a beautiful building. Look at it. It's great, but our action has to be on the future in Jesus and what we can do. We don't really honor by reliving the past, do we? We must have action, move towards the future. Because remember, we, like I said, we honor the past by embracing this future, by embracing Jesus. And to embrace the future, we must face the future. And I ask, what does it look like? Are we working towards holiness? Are you in a small group? Are we serving the community? Are you reading scripture every day? Are you working on holiness? Being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. Action. Because I want to tell you, following Jesus... It's not easy all the time, is it? Do we ever get tempted? I know, I, uh, watching a little bit of football yesterday, I got a little tempted. I was like, oh, zebras. You know, that's referees, by the way, in football lingo. We always got to watch out for the zebras. But it's, the reality of it is, it's not easy, especially on days like today, when we remember our saints. Because we have adversity. You know, adversity, death, grief. These things are real. There's only one person that brings comfort in any of this. And not to use another sport analogy, but the fellow's been batting a thousand for a, a, a couple thousand years now. He's been batting a hundred. I'm terrible at baseball, sorry. You know, and that's Jesus. He transforms us. And that's what we learn through Scripture. And, and how we deal with this, with our lives, pointed toward Jesus, 
running the race, how we do this, that's how we honor them. By pointing our eyes to Jesus. By declaring that you know what? God loves us so much that he sent his son down here. Beaten, persecuted, flogged, crucified. The most heinous death possible. But we can be reconciled back to the Father. And you know what? When we have faith, you know what action's coming up? Jesus is coming again. The dead will be raised. Resurrection. Salvation will be complete. We will see the saints. best way I think that I can honor my mama and daddy is by pointing people to Jesus and running the race. That it's not easy, right? But how we deal with all this is how we honor them. You've been listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hole United Methodist Church. If you enjoyed this message, consider sharing it with a few friends. Remember to visit us at hopeholeumc.org sermons and subscribe to get notified when new content is posted. Thanks for listening.